Today's episode is brought to you by the She Leads Podcast Network, the first network for women by women. Visit SheLeadsPodcast.com to learn more today. Welcome to the Creative Visionaries Podcast. My name is Tori Barker, a digital marketing specialist, business owner, mom, and you guessed it, a creative visionary. This podcast is about inspiring business owners, building connections, sharing success stories, and motivating others. Join me on this journey as we tap into your true potential and unleash your inner visionary. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us again on the Creative Visionaries podcast. I am so excited today to welcome our guest, Alex Dimchek. He's an author, speaker, and entrepreneur, and I'll let him tell you a little bit about himself. Tori, thanks so much for having me. I've heard amazing things about your podcast, so it's an honor honor to be here. But uh, yeah, I just I was in a nine to five job for the past five years, uh, right before Christmas. Um, I actually quit my full time job to go all in on writing and speaking full time. And um, there's a little bit of a backstory that maybe we can get into there on how it kind of led to that point. But yeah, for the last seven months or so, I've been living the self-employment life and it's been awesome and uh uh it's been a roller coaster at times but it's just super fun and, and so glad I finally made the jump into the world that it sounds like you're in a lot of times as well so yeah the the entrepreneurial uh journey is definitely a, a wave right <laughs> yeah exactly but it's a fun wave you know and it's yeah. uh maybe not for everybody but I think people like you and I it, it is really fun and fulfilling yeah. And so you've had something recently um, this year that came out that's huge, exciting, and I'm, I can't wait to hear more about it. So you um, wrote a new book. Tell me yes. about the book. Yeah. So our new book, The Sale, just launched and it's been so, so exciting, so fun to, to have the book launch. And I travel around as a, you know, speaking about the book. I just got back from Nashville doing a workshop with um, a team on the principles from the book. And so yeah, it just hit the Wall Street Journal bestsellers list. It's just really exciting and it's awesome. And it's super humbling just to have people reach out and say, hey, I not only got your book, but I read it in like a day or two and I loved it. And, uh, you know, it's just, that's just awesome to hear. And so a little bit about the book, The Sale, it's a, it's a business fable. And so I, I co-authored it with John Gordon. If you're familiar with him, he's the author of 25 other books. And I think he has 12 or 13 bestsellers. Um, and this was, this was his 26th book and then my second book. So it was fun to co-author it with, you know, a guy that I've been kind of mentored by for the last six years. And, uh, it's just the message of the book. It's a, like I said, it's a, um, a fable, but it's about character and integrity. And so we really feel like, you know, the book is aligned to really hit, you know, um, kind of aimed at people in corporate America, people who are entrepreneurs, people who are business owners, and what does it look like to have integrity in the way that you do things. And we think that there are definitely long-term implications of when you live a life of integrity, no one's perfect. I'm not, you're not. But when you do things uh, and and you do things um, that build trust and you develop character and you do these things over time, it's like, man, when you then can look back 20 years from now, it's like, wow, um, I'm, I'm fulfilled in the way I did made those decisions. I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm, I'm content. And when I go to bed at night, I, I can feel good about the way I did it. I can feel good about myself rather than, you know, maybe examples we see in the news of people who kind of chase these quick opportunities, have these Mm. massive moral failures, all these things that just create a ripple effect in other people's lives. And 
and all to chase money or all to chase right. fame or success. And we just, we do feel like there's a lie in our society that tells you that, you know, your, your success, your fame, your fortune, those are the most important things about you. And you need to achieve those things no matter the cost. And, and so we kind of speak out through the, through a fable and through a story, um, kind of speak against those lies in some way and, and, and in some ways. And we've, we've found from people reading it that it's been super empowering, I think. And um, a lot of people have told us like, that is exactly how I think. And you put it in the story of a fable. And so that, that's been really cool um, just to hear people's response. Yeah. I bet people can see themselves in the characters and relate to it. And, and it's like hearing their story. <laughs> exactly. And, and the main character's name is Matt. And we tried to develop his, we tried to make his character as someone who, like you just said, everyone could resonate with. And Matt is in sales. Long story short, he has the chance to make the sale of a lifetime. And this sale would actually bring him $7 million. And so Tori, I don't know about you, but where I come from, that's a lot of money, $7 million. Yes. And, uh, and so he has the chance to make the sale a huge magnitude. But the only problem is to make the sale, he has to lack, him and his team have to lack integrity in a major way. And oh, so the wow. story, yeah, the storyline is, does he make the decision? Does he, mm. does he go with it and make all this money and ride off into the sunset or does he make the right decision and do the right thing? And so I can't, I can't tell don't, you. Listener, don't I spoil the I, ending. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to, I can't spoil it. We're going to keep him on the cliff. They're just going to keep hanging on the cliff, but they'll have to go out and buy the book, but it's really cool to see the transformation of the main character um, and see by the end of the book, um, the way he's living and, and kind of what that brings about in his life. That's great. Yeah. And then I, from what I understand, there's four lessons, right? About integrity and creating lasting success. Do you want to maybe get a, like a, a high level on those? Don't give away the, the yeah, secret, but yeah, touch I'll on just, maybe those four lessons. Yeah. I'll just touch on one or two here and then your, your listeners can go check out the book for the rest. But yeah. The first one is, is pretty simple. It's integrity builds trust. And when you think about, um, you know, in your working life or your relational life, when you're around people and you're on a team where there is high trust and, and you and you can count on the person next to you, you're able to perform better. You feel better about that person. Everything is going in the right direction. But when the opposite is true and, and you can't trust the person you're right next to on your team, that is not a fun work environment at all. Right. You right. know, and, um, you know, the second principle, integrity allows for long term success. And we really believe that the companies and the individuals who are saying, you know what, I want to make decisions today that um, allow me to have a long-term future, not just like a quick, I'm going to make this money right here, right now, but right. you know, who do I want to be 20 years from now? Who do I, mm -hmm. what, what do I want my life to look like? And I think when you start to ask questions like that, it, it define it makes your decision-making clear. It makes your decision-making pretty easy in some ways because you know yeah. what you stand for. Right. And, you know, I think of, I speak to companies all the time and I was just at uh, Ramsey solutions a few days ago, Dave Ramsey's company. It's unbelievable. The culture they have over a thousand employees, my old employer, veterans, United home loans, a great company, you know, they make decisions that they hope will positively impact their employees years from now. And, you know, we're about to possibly hit a recession, No, you know, and, and there's all these rumors and people are nervous, but it's the companies and the people, the people and the teams who are positioned because of their decision-making to not have to fire employees when times get, get right. tough. They, they put themselves in a position to say, you know what, we're going to save money or we're going to do these things. We're not going to over leverage. And it's, and that's, that's, that's on the debt side. That's on the, you know, talking finances, but even just on the personal side, it's like, mm -hmm. 
are, are you living your life in a way? Am I living my life in a way where I'm not just winning at work, but I'm also winning at home. And, you know, for my, for me, I have almost a two-year-old daughter and my wife stays home. And, and, and for me, it's like, you know, we just, we just got back from watching a 10 a.m. movie at the movie theater today. They have like free movies for kids. And so, you know, it was pretty cool just to be in the movie with my daughter and my wife today. I wouldn't yeah. have done, I wouldn't have done that in my, in my old corporate job. I just wouldn't have had the flexibility. And so there's little blessings like that, but, but yeah, there's a few more principles that um, your listeners will have to check out. But I think the core message is being introspective about your life. What does it look like to live your life with integrity? Because when you live your life and then you, you run your business that way, you're obviously just the natural byproduct is people are going to want to be around you. They're going to want to work with you. They're going to want to be your customer and your client. And it's kind of like this snowball effect where you start living this way. Again, no one's perfect, but you start living in this way. And all of a sudden these opportunities start opening up to you. I'm sure you've seen it in your business with your mark, with your marketing. And it's, it's just such a cool thing. It's not the easiest path though. It's not the easiest (laughs) path because we all have opportunities every day to, to make the quick compromise. Right. But I love a quote from Tony Dungy. He said that integrity is not doing what's convenient integrity is doing what's right. And I think that's a constant reminder I have to remind myself of is, you know what, maybe, um, maybe the thing I'm doing right now is not the easiest, but I know it's best for me. And I think it's almost having this mentality of delayed gratification, right? Right. Because our culture with social media is so used to just, I want this right here, right now. Yeah. But you know, as a former college athlete, it's like, there's, there are times when you have to just put in the work and put in the grind and you have to just trust the process and, um, do your work with excellence in the small things, excellence mm-hmm. in the ordinary things that then years from now, you can look up and say, wow, I'm really glad that I, I put my head down and I, and I worked. Yeah, absolutely. You know, talking about integrity, um, one of the things that I've been, you know, really mindful of right now in my business is core values mm-hmm. and looking at uh, core values that I represent, the companies that I work with, what their core values are, and then showing up with authenticity. And so, you know, that really just speaks to the whole, you know, lessons of, you know, integrity. And, and so I can, I can totally relate with, with that story and that journey. Absolutely. And when you live those core values in your life and you live yourself in a way that is disciplined or people see, you know, the congruency that they see the alignment in your life where um, you say things, but you also do things and it all, it all weaves together. You know, I remember hearing a quote that said, um, your actions speak so loudly that I can't even hear what you're saying. And, and, you know, and I think (laughs) that's a, that's a great quote because it's so true. You know, I remember I, I had a high school uh, coach and he was a baseball coach and he said you guys said guys I have one rule you never cuss I never want to hear you cuss but guess who the biggest cusser was on that entire team <laughs> it, it, it was it was the coach and, and and so as a you know I think I guess I was in eighth grade going into high school but I, I remember being as an eighth grader a 14 year old thinking that is so hypocritical you know and yeah. obviously I'm not judging him for cussing if that's what he wants to do that's that's his prerogative but yeah I, as an eighth grader, I was going, oh my goodness, like he's telling us not to do something, but then he's the biggest, you know, uh, person doing it. And so I, I just know. think that's a small example, but what does it look like in our lives now collectively? Um, are, do your, do your actions, do your words align? Do they match mm-hmm. up? And, and, and when now, when, as you've lived your life in your business now, when, when you speak to people, would you say that they trust you? And that's yeah. a, that trust is, is something that people can't really take from you. Yeah. And I think people, I think people are very, um, 
observant and they, they see or they hear or they read what you're all about. And then when they speak to you and it doesn't align, it's like major red flag. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, if you, in this, in this industry, in this world, you know, if you don't align with that, I think that in the long run, you're going to be not as successful as somebody who puts in the work and walks the walk and talks the talk. And I mean, for all your business owners um, or, you know, people, team members listening, uh, if you think about the great resignation, you know, in a lot of ways, it's been the great reconsideration, you know, these last, <laughs> these last two years, you know, I'm a, I'm an example. I'm a millennial who quit my job during the pand- pand- pandemic. And when you think about it, let's say you're a person who has team members that report to you. If you're the type of person who thinks you can stay in your old ways of management and doing things and, and, and not being a person that can be trusted, like, don't be surprised when your best employee comes knocking on your door and saying, Hey, I got this job opportunity over here. And yeah, they're paying me a little bit more money, but I'm going to go take it. And, and yeah. then you're, and then you're sitting there going, well, Hey, we'll match the pay. And they're going, Hey, I got to take this other opportunity. It's not about the pay. <laughs> it's not about the pay. Exactly. And they actually read this study recently about Gen Z, this next generation coming, they would rather, and this is kind of mind boggling to like people like my grandparents probably, but they would rather be part of a passionate company culture and they would rather make less money. Like they would, they would choose the passionate culture over making more money. And like, if you tried to imagine if we told like our, our grandparents that they'd be like, what are you talking about? Right. (laughs) But I think it's just showing you where the culture is that people want to be part of something. They want to be trusted. They want to be, they want to have a team that they're accomplishing amazing things together. And we're seeing this shift. And, and so I think that's my call to any business owner listening. It's like, are you building trust? Are you doing things in your culture? You know, I just did a workshop a few days ago in, in Tennessee, and it was so awesome. They brought me in to speak on the book. And then we did these work, kind of these breakout exercises, things to build yeah. trust. We're sharing. There was probably a few people crying in there. It was oh, awesome. Man. It was really cool. And it's just like, man, there, there needs to be more of that happening, especially a lot of us have been remote for the last two years. Get back together, get with your team, find ways to build trust. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I started my business right before the pandemic started in 2019. Wow. And before that I was in corporate, you know, 15 years in the corporate industry and doing marketing and all that stuff. And then here I am, you know, I'm the entrepreneur. And then, you know, a year later, this pandemic hits and I'm like, what the <laughs> heck is going on? <laughs> and so I'm in, you know, growth mode. Uh, so I'm building a team and, and I'm, you know, growing my business and, and the challenges that come with a remote team is so different, right? So, yeah. I mean, it's good. There's good and there's bad. There's opportunity for me to have, you know, I have a team member who's in Florida. I have a team member who's in Oregon. I'm in California. Um, and then it just opens up the opportunity for clients and people that I can work with and people that I can help. It's not just local here in my city that I live in. The opportunity opens up. But then there's also the challenges of connectivity within my team. Yep. And yep. I'm so used to like with athletics, you know, you get together as a group, you talk, you, you know, everything is, is hands-on per se. And, you know, now having a team and trying to be a leader for a virtual team is, is a challenge because you're like, okay, we need to see face-to-face because we can't be face-to-face. So we got to be on the virtual, you know, touch base, communication, trust, all these things are so important, especially in this new, you know, virtual space that we're in. And so it's, you know, it's a, a work in progress, but <laughs> yeah, that's definitely not an easy thing. And I think in some ways you do have to almost over communicate because it's yeah. like so many things can be taken out of context and so many things, you, 
yeah, like you said, you don't know where that employee that's working for you, maybe you don't really know how they're truly feeling because it's just behind a Zoom camera. You're not in person yep. where you could you normally feel that out. And so, yep. yeah, it's it's definitely crazy times in that regard, but it's also there's some cool opportunities where yeah. maybe you could employ people or help get them get a job where they would never want to be in an office or they don't, maybe they couldn't be in office, but now you're allowing them to have work at remote and at home. And so there are, it's, yeah, it's just so hard. There's so many pros and cons with it that it's just like, yeah. man, wild, wild west in some ways. <laughs> For sure. So let's kind of go back to the, the topic of the book and um, why you feel it's so important for leaders to have a book, write a book. Um, talk about that. Cause I don't know, you know, if you had always had this in your, you know, vision and your goal to be an author. So talk about that and the impact that that can have for leaders. That's a great question. And I truly believe that everyone has a book in them. You know, that's a personal belief of mine and a little backstory during the pandemic around the time, uh, probably about a year and a half ago, uh, I was going to say a little bit after you started your business, it sounded like, um, we started me and my buddy out of Kansas city, Will Severance, we started a company called streamline books, and you can, you can check us out at writemybooks.com. And what we do is we help people write, edit, and publish their books. And so right now we have about 16 authors in our pipeline that we're working with and helping kind of launch them into the world, help them get speaking engagements, help them ghostwrite their book, help them edit things like that. And so it's been really fun because, you know, there's a study out there that says, or a stat that says 81% of people in 81% of people in the world want to write a book someday, but only 1% ever do. And so for us, there's this huge gap and we're saying, how can we help people? Yeah. Um, and, and we actually have it down to a 16 week process. And so it's four months. So like, if, let's say we are writing your book, you know, we start off with a two hour kickoff call where we really talk a lot of those marketing centric questions of like, Hey, who's this for, you know, what's yeah. the purpose? What are your passions? And then as we start writing, we do it in a 16 week process. So to your point, I think, a book, we believe the book is an, is the new business card. You know, the next time you're at a marketing conference, the next time you're out with clients, instead of handing them a business card, our thought is, what if you could hand them this cornerstone piece of content that's just this book, it's not too, you know, it's not gonna be 500 pages, maybe it's 100 right. to 150, it's yeah. something di digestible, it's, it tells about maybe the story of your business, your content, what you do, we just feel like that is such a cool win. Like I was in, uh, I was flying somewhere recently and I got in a conversation with, the lady next to me on the flight and we got to talking. She's like, Hey, what do you do? We start talking and then boom, I'm able to pull out my book and say, Hey, I would love you to read this. And she started, it's kind of funny. Cause like she started reading on the plane on the plane. I was like, listen, you do not have to do this just cause I'm right here. She's like, no, she's <laughs> no like, pressure. no, she's like, no, I, I, we, I, we had a few testimonials on the back. It was Dave Ramsey, Michael Porter Jr. And Jamie Kern Lima. She started it cosmetics. If you ever yeah. heard of that company. Yeah. And so anyway, she sold her company for a billion dollars and she wrote, um, to L'Oreal actually she wrote a little testimony on the back of our book and she's like no I recognize her and so she started reading it but anyway the point is I mean it's such a cool value add for people whether it's a legacy piece you just want to have a book to share with your family members of the family history or maybe it's by your company maybe it's to you know we're doing a book for a financial plan or a real estate agent maybe it's to attract more clients and yeah. uh, so I think there's a ton of reasons why people want to write books we are just so excited about helping people steward their story, um, you know, do it in a way that's efficient and that's fun. Because I think a lot of times people, you know, I've heard so many people say, man, I've sent my, my book out to 30 publishers, the manuscript, and they've denied it. And, and we're like, man, that's, that's a bummer that people yeah. have stories. They have stories to tell. And we want to help shine light on their stories and, and kind of give them a voice in that way. And so I do think everyone should have a book. 
now, obviously I'm a little biased because I own a book company, um, Streamline <laughs> Books, but I do think that everyone does have a story. And I think a book is a great outlet to get that out into the world. And, you know, in self-publishing through Amazon, 70% of all books that are sold are through Amazon. And so it's, it's what people already know. It's print on demand. So you don't have high overhead costs. We could talk a lot more details on that, but <laughs> o- overall, I, I, my first book was called Thrive You. And then my next, you know, the one I just came out with was The Sale. And so I do have plans to obviously write a lot more books, but I think what gets me even more passionate is thinking, is, is talking with people about like, Hey, what do you want to write about and helping yeah. bring them into our team and our team members help them write the book that in some ways gets me even more fired up than my own books, because it's like, man, this is bigger than me. This is, yeah. this is, this is way bigger than, than just me, obviously. So yeah, we're, we're excited for what we're building at Streamline Books. And um, yeah, it's, it's been really fun to help steward people's stories. Yeah. I can't wait to check it out and, and, you know, see if maybe I can conjure up a, a book inside of me. <laughs> yes, let's go. I, I think you you definitely have one in you. So yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> So we touched on a little bit about athletics. And um, so I know that you're a college athlete and I want to uh, have you talk about how athletics has helped you to succeed in business and kind of tell us about your journey um, in college and athletics through your life and, and how you apply that to your business. Yeah. I mean, as you know, it's such a big part of our DNA, right? And it's, and it's, uh, I think about when we were in, in, in meetings in college, our head coach, Gary Pinkle, Hall of Fame coach in college. And, you know, he was so big on like just the small details, attention to detail. And so, for example, if someone's phone went off in a team meeting, I mean, my goodness, you were running until you're, you know, passing out. And so, like, I'm just so conditioned now to never, you know, have my phone for sure on silent. But sometimes I'm like, all right, I'm just going to put it down. I'm not going to bring it into this meeting that I'm going into because it's just part of me. And that was something I learned in college athletics, but I think, gosh, the adversity piece, um, I could speak on all day just about how, gosh, the same challenges that I'm seeing now in business or relationally. Yeah. They're maybe they look different, but I can stem back to some of the disciplines that I learned of overcoming these challenges to college football. And for me being like the backup, backup, backup quarterback on the team, you know, you had to, you had to, I was a walk on and, and, you know, nothing, is guaranteed not you have to earn you have to earn it every day and uh so there's a ton of challenges that came with that but in in learning like what does it look like to not only just try to elevate myself but make the other people around me look better so that, that's that's a transferable skill right you can take that yeah. into any business that you do and so i think it's things like those um you know the athlete mindset and just applying that to then business you know i had a speaking engagement in kentucky a few weeks ago and the event planner long story short, they told, I was supposed to be speaking earlier. I guess they messed somehow messed up the schedule to where I was speaking later in the day. So because of that, I got to the airport. I missed my flight that I would have normally not missed. Right. So I I get to the airport. I missed the flight. The the timing worked out to where I literally had to sleep in the airport. I didn't have time. It was so late at night. And by my next flight was at five, 6am. So I was like, there's no point in going to a hotel at this point. So I slept in the airport. And so it's just funny because everyone asks, Oh, what is it like to be a speaker and author and book tour? (laughs) I'm like, well, it's glamorous, it's glamorous, but make sure before you sign up to do this, make sure you are, you're okay being away from your family, sleeping in an airport on a Thursday night. So, um, you know, that's, (laughs) but that's just part of it. And it was just, you know, it's the mentality of, you know what I chose to do this work. I'm blessed to do this work. I get to go to a company. I get to go to a sports team and talk like that is my profession. I get to talk and, and inspire and encourage 
like it's so fun and it's so awesome but with that comes responsibility of guess what um there's going to be flight delays there's going to be days where i'm in the airport all day but how am i going to get better um in the midst of those those maybe challenges And, and i think more importantly how do i take the challenge and then spin it and view it as an opportunity. And I think yep. as business owners and all of your listeners, all of us can learn. And that's a discipline that we have to continually do because it's not just like a one-time thing where you're like, okay, from now on, everything's an <laughs> opportunity. It's like, that's not how life works. You know, no. it's like, there are challenges, as you know, as a business owner that come up every single day, sometimes yeah. hourly. And it's like, all right, I have to retrain my mind to say, you know what, when this comes up, I'm going to view it as an opportunity to get better, an opportunity to add value and opportunity to, and guess what? When I slept in the airport that night, I never even let the, uh, I never let the event planner know. I didn't even want to make her feel bad, even though it was an oversight on their side. I did not come back to her and say, you know what? Because it's like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to find a way to get better. I'm going to spend time emailing or responding to stuff while I'm in the airport. I'm not going to just let this be a a loss. You know, I got to go there and speak and it was awesome. And so I think it's just reframing your mind and things like that. And so athletics, as you know, are just such a, it's such a foundation, foundational piece mm-hmm. of where I'm at today because of the challenges, because of the triumphs, all the different things that come around and come with sports. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, uh, attribute leadership to, um, my background and, uh, time playing sports because, you know, as a leader of a team, it's just like business, right? You have to work with different people and you have to have a common uh, ground and a common, um, you know, mission so that you can achieve the one end goal. Um, so it's really interesting to, you know, think back and kind of retrospectively think, oh yeah, I really did get this kind of instilled uh, from athletics and from sports and from the coaches that I had and the teammates that I had. And, you know, I have uh, two young boys, they're five and eight. And so we're at the age now where it's like, they have to be in sports. Like I want them to learn, you know, what you learn as an athlete that you just can't teach as a parent. Like there's just a whole different dynamic of what you can learn and, and just absorb in your, um, skill set from athletics. And so, you know, it's, we're having fun because it's like, I played softball and I was, um, you know, softball from T-ball up, right. I played, you know, every day of my life and, you know, every year on a travel team and then all the way up to college, I was a walk on as well. Um, and so I had to earn my spot. Um, and so with my kids, it's like, okay, what do you want to play? Like, let's try all the things, right? You want to do soccer or baseball, football, like just, I want them to be exposed to different sports so that they can find something that they love and learn along the way while having fun. So it's like, yeah. I love that. Such a good word. I think it was Billy Graham who said every young person should either be in church in military in sports. And, you know, he just named off all these things. And it's like, because, and this whole point was because they're learning to work with the team. They're learning yeah. to be with people who are different than them. They're yep. learning to, to, like you said, the leadership piece. That's so, so strong. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine how, how many sports you played growing up. <laughs> I play, I played definitely a lot. It was definitely baseball and football or what I, I gravitated towards for sure. But yeah, I was probably like you, I just played as many as I could and always loved being outside and doing stuff. So, uh, yeah. And now, now like tonight I'll be playing pickleball with some friends. So now it's, you know, uh, things like that. I'm not doing as much football anymore, but now it's gravitated towards things I can do when I'm older, I guess. So yeah, <laughs> yeah it's funny. My kids, um, they started, uh, 
uh, playing kickball in the street. Oh, nice. And I'm like, oh, yeah. When I, you know, in my 20s, I played on a kickball team. And they're like, what, mommy? No way. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, That's my gosh. Awesome. And it's fun because, you know, my kids are, you know, into football now. And so, you know, as an athlete, I was a catcher. And so I had pretty good arm. And so I can throw a football. I never played football, but I can throw a football. And so my kids are like, so impressed that I can throw this football. <laughs> and, and I've got it's funny, because in the neighborhood, there's, you know, um, a family down the street, and one of the dads was outside, and he saw me playing with the boys. And he's like, wow, you got an arm. And I'm like, Oh, thanks. And he's like, did you play football? And I'm like, No, I, I'm just an athlete. I played sports. I just, you know, and he's Man. like, wow, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah, you could have been like the first female quarterback in football yeah, or something. So you should have pursued that maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'll be the oldest uh, one now. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Wow. Well, okay, so let's wrap this up with a final question. So um, at the end of your life, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? That's a great very great question and deep question. And I actually had a mentor of mine. His name was John Draghi, and he was uh, just the most in shape fit guy you could you could know. He was in his fifties, and um, he randomly got um, glioblastoma, which mm. is brain cancer. And very obviously, it's very for people that are familiar with it. It's very low rate of survival. I mean, it's mm. uh, it's it's very very tough. And so. I actually got to record him on my podcast a few months before and just talk about stuff. And what's cool is I asked him that same question, what, you know, at your funeral someday, whenever that is, what do you want people to say about you? And, you know, um, like myself, he's, he's a person of faith. And so he said, I want people to know that I loved God and I loved them. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's so cool is that at his funeral, a few months later, um, it, unfortunately it was during the pandemic. And so it had to be a uh, live stream and it was, but still on zoom, there were so many people that showed up for it uh, virtually. Um, but it was really cool to hear the people that shared and they pretty much verbatim said his legacy at his funeral. And, uh, so I've kind of stolen that from him and I don't think he would mind. Uh, I think he would be proud in that way. Um, and, and, and the same way for me as a person of faith that I want people to know that I, I love God and I made, uh, anywhere I went a better place, but also that I loved them and encouraged them. So I think that's it for me. And when I think about long-term, if that's my goal, that's what I want to do, then it definitely does shape and it defines my decisions of today because when I have these opportunities and um, I just think to like, okay, what, where do I see myself long-term? Because I think if you have that long-term mindset, at least when I do, Mm -hmm. it really defines my decision-making and the way in which, which I go. And so I think, I think that's it for me is just loving God, loving others. That's amazing. Well, Alex, it's been so nice and such a pleasure to talk to you and get to know you and share your story with, you know, my listeners and hopefully um, everyone can go check out the book and look you up and learn more about you. Uh, Where can they find you? Where would you like to send them so that they can learn more about you? Yeah, my personal website is alexspeaking.com. And then for anyone who's interested in maybe someday writing a book, we would love to just talk with you, get on a Zoom call or something you can check us out at writemybooks.com. Awesome. Any final words? I know you kind of stole the show with the legacy piece, but. (laughs) No, Tori, I just want to thank you. I think we have a lot in common with our our sports background. And uh, yeah, thanks for what you do and and encouraging people. And I just think, you know, as we're coming out of these last two years, I think this is a great opportunity for people to really reset, recharge, and get after it as far as pursuing their dreams and their goals, because no one's going to choose it for them. No one, 
no one uh, was forcing me to quit my job and become an entrepreneur and self-employed, but I had to eventually take that leap. And so my encouragement for your listeners is whoever's listening that maybe this is hitting home with them. I just encourage you um, do it in a wise way, but get yourself in a position where you can take that leap. Yeah. Well, awesome, Alex. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and I hope everybody enjoys the rest of their day. Thanks, Tori. Thanks so much for listening to the Creative Visionaries podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, or share with a friend. Also, make sure to visit us online at creativevisionariespodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And stay tuned for more episodes to come. And remember, it's time to tap into your true potential and unleash your inner visionary.